Donchitz pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Donchitz wins the game at the buzzer! For Tyler Gerben, is super reliable inside of 40. This is for 45, it's blocked! Lions scoop it up! Jackson checks it himself, look at him, turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles! Now he's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown! When 6.15 hits, nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. What's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? We're back. No boundaries. 2022, first episode of the spring semester. We are so glad to have you with us. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson, here in the Belisario Media Center once again. It has been a long hiatus. We, of course, had the winter break and everything, but we are back for our first show of the new semester. I'm jacked, ready to go. Zach, how are you doing? Woo, you said it best, baby. We're back in studio in the Belisario Media Center here on campus. 2022, new year, but same content from us here. We're going to be giving it to you all semester long. Got a got a nice NFL uh, slate today because yeah. that's what is dominating the the news cycle recently. I'm going to take my sweatshirt off real fast. That that's how amped I am for this show. It's getting hot in I'm here. I'm so <laughs> amped for this show that I can't keep my sweatshirt on because yeah, it is getting a little bit hot. <laughs> yeah, <actually> um, is. <laughs> depressing start to the show though because we got to talk about the birds. Yeah. Eagles had, of course, their wild card. Uh, what do they call it? The, the super wild card super weekend. Wild yeah, card weekend. <laughs> they, had, they had their super wild card weekend matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, uh, of course, on Sunday. And I thought that they had a legitimate shot to at least make it a game, if not win the game in an upset fashion. But no, not even close. Went down thirty-one to nothing. Found a way to make it at least on the scoreboard look like it was. A semi game, thirty-one to fifteen, but everybody who watched that game from start to finish knows that was never, ever a game. No, <laughs> I mean it seemed like first two drives in, you already knew. Oh yeah, this yeah. is not going to go well. Buccaneers had their way in every single facet of the game, and it continued for a full sixty minutes. It was pitiful, yeah, and miserable to watch. I mean, it got to the point for me, Zach, where I was watching it at Champs. And I started to realize, like, oh, my God, we're celebrating first downs for the Eagles. Like, we're celebrating, like, a big, like, clutch momentum swinging, like, interception on yep. defense. Like, we, like were, we were cheering these first downs, like, because we weren't getting any of them. They were so hard to come by. The offense was so stagnant. Defensively, I mean, it seemed like receivers were wide open pretty much the entire game. They tightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just... Tampa Bay, they had the way that they wanted to play. They did, and they forced the Eagles into a trap where the Eagles are now playing at the pace and playing the style of play that the Buccaneers wanted them to. And it just seemed like it was hopeless for the Eagles from start to finish. Their entire identity was shattered, and they just couldn't get anything going. So with that miserable, ugly, brutal loss, 
How do you feel about the Eagles and uh, the end to their season? Yeah, man, you said it. I mean, I like you said, I I knew what um, I knew which way the game was going to go after the the first two drives. You could see Hertz was just rattled, uncomfortable. Didn't look like you, you can just feel it. I've watched enough like football where you can just feel kind of how the games are going to go. And on the other end, Brady just dotting up, carving up the the Eagles defense. Um, and I, I think it, you know, as much as Eagles fans, I think, talked ourselves into potentially winning that game, which I think there was some logic behind it. Um, but what I think it really came down to was Tom Brady on one side and Jalen Hurts on the other. Right. And I, that was the one thing I kept going back to, like, okay, they have Tom Brady, and you don't know how Hurts is going to do. And, you know, we saw how he did. That was one of his worst performances that he's he's had in, um, in an Eagles uniform. Um, but you know, I I feel like it's you can't really knock him for it. I mean, you can, but you can't because the, the Eagles, you know, shouldn't even have been in that position to begin with. This is a four win, five win team at the beginning of the year, at least I thought, and um, they they kind of exceeded exceeded expectations. Now that's not an excuse to go in and um, you know not show up in in the in the playoffs, but um, that would just that's that was the that's kind of how the season went, um, and uh, just I kind of just lost my train of thought. I'm a little rusty happens, um, <laughs> but that's kind of how the season went. It was it, we saw flashes more. Um, we saw some flashes in that game of some struggles, some recurring struggles that the Eagles have had this year. Some just not just bad execution on defense. Just there was receivers open everywhere. I think Gannon did tighten things up um, on on the back end uh, towards towards the end of the second half, but. Still, the the deficit was just too insurmountable. Um, I'm just and then and then and then the play calling too on on offense. It was tough though because I don't know if it was the play calling or the execution. Yeah, it was kind of tough to tell. Part of me thinks it was the execution because I watched back some of the uh, some of the plays and some of the game, and it looked like like you said there were there were guys open definitely. Yeah. Um, Hertz just wasn't comfortable, wasn't hitting them, couldn't get. Devontae Smith involved all game, despite how how hard they tried. Um, Dallas Goddard had, a, had an all right game. Um, Dallas Goddard also had a really bad drop. I he, point he's that had out. a couple of those. Yeah. He'll make he'll make cra- crazy catches, some some great plays, and then it just has bad drops. Uh-huh. He's had a couple of those um, towards the end of this year. Um, if you want to talk about drops and muffs, <laughs> we can go over to to, to Jalen Rager, who I think very well may have played his final game in an Eagles uniform. You know he's not. You know that's not the end of it for him. If our if Arthega Whiteside can stick around, <laughs> that, that okay, for that's a, as long as he has. There's no way Jalen Rager is gone. That's a good point. You mentioned Arcega Whiteside. I did. I saw this. I saw this on Twitter. I took a screenshot. I found it. He's the only wide receiver, or he's the. Oh wait, let me read this. Um, oh, he's only the third wide receiver in NFL history drafted in the first two rounds. To play at least forty games and catch fewer than sixteen passes. That's our thing, Whiteside. Yes. So basically, he's one of the worst receivers drafted in the first two rounds in in, in NFL history. Well, also, and this is kind of uh, kind of dark, but at the same time, it's true um, that there's that picture, that graphic going around on Twitter that I've seen a lot when it pertains to Jalen Rager. This season, you look at the amount of yards that he corralled in receiving. It's like somewhere in the two hundreds or something like that. Maybe, regardless, it's half as much, maybe even less than half as much as Henry Ruggs had this season when Henry Ruggs played 
I don't know how many games, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't anywhere near as much as Jalen Rager played because he obviously ended up with that whole legal situation and mm-hmm. I mean that whole mess. But you look at that and you you look at how it compares to Rager, and then you just brought up a great thing about Arthur Whitesides. Yeah, these are absolute busts. And yeah. Arthur Whiteside, we already knew. Yeah, we now know for sure about Jalen Rager. Uh, they should have cut him the day before the game. Um, but yeah, they, they hey maybe they even should have cut him a long time ago. But I think now you absolutely have to. At the same time, though, I don't know if Howie and everybody up there wants to uh, admit that they were wrong because I think that would be yeah. a, a big time you know slap in the face to them if they did have to cut Rager. I don't know. Yeah, you're talking about Rager for, yeah, for Rager. both of them, but yeah, Rager. But well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think at this point you'd be fine to cut Ortega Whiteside, but to give yeah. up on Rager after two seasons. And admit like, yeah, we were wrong. I don't know if they would want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I especially with the the first round cap hit. But part of me is just like thinking that uh, I, just, I just don't think he has it mentally. I just no. I I don't know if he needs a fresh start or or what. But he's got to figure something needs to get figured out for for both sides. I think. Um, um, do you think that there was a point in that ball game yesterday, or not yesterday, two days ago, where the Eagles should have been in Gardner Minshew? I was thinking it. I don't know if it would have. I don't know if it would have made a difference. Um, it's it's tough to say. I mean, imagine if they did put in Gun Minshew. That'd be that'd be a long off season. Um, yeah, I did. It did cross my mind. I, I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's it's a really it's a really tough situation that that the Eagles are in. Not really tough, but just in in, in terms of the quarterback. Um, you have to give Hurts another year. The thing with yeah. him is I think he's definitely – you've seen improvement. I think you could go back all the way to his college days. Every year I think he's improved. You've seen some sort of improvement in his game. He wasn't a bad quarterback this year by by any means, but have we seen the ceiling of him? I think that's the real question, the ceiling with the arm specifically. That we don't know, and I think he deserves a, another offseason to, to prove that um, or disprove that, you know. What, whichever it may be, I think my ideal plan, I think, just an early like outline for a successful offseason. Give it to me. You got to give, obviously, starting off, you give Hurts another season. Uh-huh. If he's, a, if he's you know, doesn't take any strides, if he's, you know, as advertised, 2023 class has some, some options at quarterback. Yeah. This one doesn't particularly, so potentially maybe – just to give yourself some more insurance, maybe package some, uh, maybe package some picks this year and move and get some ammunition for next year, next year's draft, possibly. But at the same time, the Eagles also have a lot of holes that need to be addressed um, on defense specifically. So, and then I think going off of that, got has to be addressed in the draft or free agency, and then you need another one number, another wide receiver opposite Smith. I agree. Preferably a veteran. There's a lot of good a lot of good names out there this year. I um when it comes to Hurts, I do not think he's a franchise quarterback. Did not think that when we drafted him, did not think that last year towards the tail end of the year, I haven't thought that at all this season. Even though he has been very poised and he obviously got this mm-hmm. team in a very comfortable situation, got them in a place where they could make a playoff run, got it to the playoffs, everything. Credit to him for that, but I, I don't think that this is a franchise quarterback we're dealing with right here. I think it's fine to hold on to him in the meantime and 
use him to the best of his ability because, yeah, this is, even though, yes, it was a very successful year and hopefully the Eagles can build on it, it's still a transition. Like, we're still going through yeah. development and uh, growing pains a little bit, mm-hmm. especially first-year head coach and everything. So keep him around for this brief period. Wait until there are better options out there. Don't rush into, you know, something that could be really, I mean, eaten away at the core of the, the team that you've established. Like, keep building the team mm-hmm. and keep Hurts in there as well for these next weird couple of seasons or maybe one or two seasons. I don't know how long it'll be. But don't sell the farm right now to get a quarterback because the team's not ready for a quarterback just yet. You're fine with Hurts, except, I don't want to say mediocrity, but it is kind of close, except that you're in this weird spot that you'll come back stronger when there are better options available and once you've developed a young core, um, like a guy with, you know, on the outside like Devontae Smith and get another guy in the draft, as you said, and make sure that this team is ready to go before you invest heavy money in a quarterback. That's just my opinion. So I agree yeah. you got to give Hurts another year. And that's why, looking back, even though I, w- I was clamoring for Minshew during the game, I was like, get him in here, get him in here. That was me being the delusional Eagles fan, thinking that we could <laughs> come back into the game. Yeah. That, that's not, that <laughs> was happens. not going to happen. And if you do put Minshew in there, yeah, he, he's not going to win you the game. And it's only going to cause problems in the offseason because people will be talking about quarterback controversy. So exactly. I agree. They, they, they should have just kept Hurts in there, and they did, obviously. And the offense was not good. I, yeah, he had one of his worst games. But you yeah. got to live with it. And this is what you got moving forward. And don't screw up his confidence. Don't, you know, kind of, I guess, what, what what's the, the phrase I'm looking for? Don't throw in the towel, I guess, on Jalen Hurts. Wasn't exactly what I was going for, but it works. Uh, just yeah. don't give up on him. Keep keep riding with him in the meantime, and I think that's fine, even though he's not a franchise quarterback. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think if there was anything else from that game that really needed to be touched upon. Um, I got really nothing else. I just had some. frustrating, oh. but it yeah, is. I was gonna just make a comment on. Yes, it was one of his worst games, but also you know Todd Bowles, heck of a defensive coordinator. Yes, they're injured. They're banged up over there at Tampa Bay. But this is the defending champs we're talking about as well. Like, they have the, the, the championship. This is a team. They brought back all their guys from last year. And, you know, this is a team that knows how to win. They they did win last year. Um, yeah, it was a it was a cool – it was cool to actually believe in the Eagles for a little bit. Like, they did have a chance. Yeah. And I did think they had a chance. Yeah. But just didn't execute when they needed to. It, it is crazy how well Todd Bowles coaches in the postseason. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we've seen it last. Yeah, we've seen it a couple of years now. Yeah, um, should have taken that into account before I posted a bunch of tweets and videos <laughs> before the game saying, "Oh, Eagles going to win." We're <laughs> idiot. Um, I will say just to wrap this up, the atmosphere at Champs five minutes before kickoff, once kickoff got started, everything. One of the best atmospheres I've seen there for a game. Like really? people were amped for that game. I was going to go. Yeah, and then just pff, yeah, let down. I had I was calling I was calling wrestling. I was oh, gonna go if I didn't have the title. How did that go? I mean, for not knowing anything about the sport, <laughs> first time going in, not cold. I did I prepped, but yeah, it wasn't too, wasn't too shabby. I don't think. I'm happy for. Won't that. be I won't be using any of it for my reel, but <laughs> probably. Yeah, it's good. Experience. It was fun. Yeah, yeah and definitely yeah. want to learn more about the sport now too. Good stuff. We're gonna talk some wrestling in the next segment, actually. Um, 
Oh, actually, speaking of wrestling, did you see that WWE? Uh, this is different, much uh, different wrestling. WWE coming to the Bryce Jordan Center. Yeah, SmackDown. Let's I, go. I texted my girlfriend. I said, you want to go? She said, you're funny. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So we'll, we'll come back after this break. We got to go to a quick commercial break. But you are listening to No Boundaries. We'll move off of the depressing Eagles talk, and we'll get into some other NFL news. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Hey, Cade. Hey, Emily. Did you know that Mr. Rogers was a pastor before his television show? No, I didn't. Well, did you also know that Ted Bundy escaped prison two different times? Wait a minute. This is a lot coming at me right now. How do you know all this? I listen to our talk show, Documentary Deep Focus. Oh, the one every Tuesday at 445? That's it. Well, I can't wait to see you there. Tune in on Com Radio to hear what Emily and I find out this week on Documentary Deep Focus. Meet the ducks, meet the ducks. Step right up and greet the ducks. Bring your kitties, bring your wife. Listen live every Tuesday night, cause the ducks are really talking about ball. Knocking them hot takes over the wall. East side, west side. Everybody's tuning in. To meet the D-U-C-K-S of Com Radio from 845 to 945. Did you hear about the bird? Well, Neil's going to tell you about the bird. After all, the bird is the word. Listen to Current Events with Comedy on Thursdays from 7 to 7.30 on Com Radio. Be a part of the discussion and analysis regarding the latest news, trends, and stories. Get educated and learn about what just happened right outside your door. Live from the Belisario Media Center, it's Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin talking all sports, anytime, anyplace, no boundaries, right here on Com Radio. Back here with No Boundaries, Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson at the Belisario Media Center. Let's get into some more uh, NFL talk. We had some wild games this weekend, but also a whole lot of games that were just very boring, blowouts. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to talk about the Cowboys and Niners real fast? Sure, we can start on, we can start on that. Why not? That was funny. Just going from the uh, – um, it, it does make – it makes you feel a little bit better that Cheers you up. the Cowboys did all of that. In week 18. All of that for the 51 points just to go and lose in the first round to Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Getting upset at home. They were The, the Cowboys were the only only home team to lose yeah. in, the, in the week, uh, the, the super wild card week. So, so much for Jerry World and the uh, home field advantage that everybody claims. Nah, but I mean, I mean, that... I didn't expect them to lose that game. No, I mean even even with all the the, the struggles that they've had in the past, I, the Forty ers just snuck in. I didn't think. I thought the Cowboys at home, their offense would be able to take advantage of. It's a pretty good defense, but you know, still put up enough points to get it done. But it was looking like a blowout. It was twenty three to seven at like the fourth quarter, and I was like, oh wow, like Cowboys are they got handed to them. They were able to make things interesting, but um, ultimately. We can, and it came down to that that last play, that last drive. The 49ers gave them some life. 
um, calling that timeout, allowing them to, you know, regroup. But after that, uh, I mean, they didn't do anything with it. No, yeah. I mean, do you think it was the right call? Here, here's what I'll say. The Niners screw themselves over when it comes to Jimmy G and I don't want to call it stupidity, but he just doesn't seem capable late in games, crunch time, to make rational decisions. Not, and the interception was Well, the interception was yeah, bad. But then also, um, when it came to that fourth and inches, nah. where it's absolutely the right call to go for it, because if you go for it, you get it. Which I mean, it's easy to get a couple inches compared to you know if it's a fourth and three or a fourth and four, whatever, obviously. Um, but if you get it, then the the game's over, and all you have to do is just make sure everybody is lined up and ready to go. But Jimmy G rushes into the snap, yeah. right tackle isn't lined up properly. They get a false start or illegal motion, whatever it was. I think it was both actually might have been. I, I don't think know. it was both. Huh. Um, but anyway, it backs him up five yards. Now they got to punt the ball away to Dallas when they could have just ended the game right there. Mm-hmm. So I agreed with everything for the most part um, on the 49ers side of things. But they just made some dumb mistakes, mainly Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's got to get better at that because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say he was starting to collapse, but it just didn't seem like he was there mentally like he needed to be. Um, you don't feel confident. Like no. Some quarterbacks, like you feel confident the game's in their hands, not not Jimmy. No, so that was definitely a red flag if I was a Niners fan. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think overall they, they made the right decision to go for it right there, and it wouldn't have been as hectic at the end if they had just lined up properly and Jimmy G didn't snap the ball as quickly as he did. Yeah, I thought it was funny because, of course, the only reason why they were in that situation, fourth and inches, was because the referees – went through like two different reviews to figure out if they spotted the ball correctly. Yeah. What and was it, that? Yeah. that <laughs> Dallas. It's Dallas. I was um, so lost. I was like, wait, what's going on right now? There there were just I don't know. It was a referee game. Yeah. It was a referee game which stinks. Um not saying that the game wasn't entertaining, but obviously flags out the wazoo, partially because Dallas was so undisciplined. They, uh, yeah, they led the league in penalties. Yeah, um, and I, I forget what stat they showed on the on the broadcast. I just punched the microphone. My apologies. Uh, I forget what they showed on the broadcast, but the Cowboys tied a, a record or set a record in this game for um, you know the amount of penalties in a in a playoff game. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, they were just so undisciplined. So the referees are blowing their whistles, throwing flags the whole time. The referees then get involved in that fourth and inches or first down, whatever it was. Um, and then, of course, on the very last play, as Dak is trying to rush to the line and uh, snap the ball, the referees stumble in, getting in the way. And obviously, yeah, he has to touch the ball first and foremost before the snap can go off. But uh, I, I was just I was blown away by that decision by Dak. It's one thing if you're going to rush it right up the middle of the field, but you got to get down quicker. Like He was trying to take as much yardage as possible. Dude, there's like 16 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. You got to get down if you're going to go in the middle of the field. Yeah. And he didn't. And 20, uh, yeah. So even though yeah, it was I thought it was a little bit crazy that the ref got in the way like that. Dak, you'd put yourself in a situation where that could happen and it would screw you over because you didn't get down. But I, I thought that was mm-hmm. one of the funniest ways that that, that Dallas could have won was. that game. They're they're trailing and getting blown out the entire game. 
they come all the way back. They're given all these opportunities, and they capitalize on them, and they're about to you know, potentially go down the field, win the game in the final seconds, and then they can't even get a snap off because the referee <laughs> gets in the way. So funny. Just suckers it's them comical. right back in, and then boom. Just a death blow. It's comical. Great. Yeah, that was very, very fitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, they ended up being the first team with a 4,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver, a uh, 10-sack man and a 10-interception man, and they get bounced in the first round by a team that barely even made it into the playoffs. Yeah. So that, that, that makes me feel nice. It doesn't make the <laughs> NFC East look very good. Yeah, that, that yeah. Uh, but, hey, what are you going to do? I think it's all right. I mean, with all that talent you got, I mean, you look at Mike McCarthy. Yeah, this is a guy who could barely get it done with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I think he's got to. That was a weird hire from the very beginning, though. Yeah. I I was never. I always thought it was was weird, too. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere around the league, just look at some of the other blowouts. Last night, Rams 34-11 to over the Cardinals. Bad. Chiefs 42-21 to over the Steelers. That game was not as close as that final score. Same with the Eagles and Buccaneers, obviously. 31-15 was not indicative uh-huh. of that. Uh, and then the Bills, forty-seven to seventeen, over the Patriots on Saturday. Wild pounding, yeah. Uh, any of those games really stand out? to me? The Bills beating up on the Patriots like that was the one that stood out to me the most. I, I knew yeah. that maybe Arizona wasn't the it wasn't the type of team that they were made out to be. They yeah. were reeling in the second half of the year, didn't come in with a whole lot of momentum. Whereas the Rams, I think we're starting to figure everything out. So yeah. that wasn't shocking for me. For me, yeah, the Bills beating the Patriots by 30 was wild. Yeah, you said it. I I think we knew, at least I knew, that Cliff Kingsbury was going to get outcoached by Sean McVay, especially yeah. if you said with how the Cardinals were reeling uh, at the end of the year. But, yeah, I think that one was definitely the most surprising outcome. I I didn't. I don't necessarily think I thought the Pats were going to win this game because I, I said it way back when um it was after the Cowboys game after the Pats held held with the Cowboys Matt Mac Jones had one of his the best games that I've seen him play and I was like yeah he's he's you know he's showing some flashes but I don't think he's going to be able to do enough in the playoffs when you know the stakes are high and the game is in his hands and I was right I I think there was a lot of issues that game um Pats couldn't establish any any sort of run. The Bills' defense was absolutely dominant, and um, obviously the offense was as well. Scored scored a touchdown on every single possession. Yeah, they're the first team to do that in seven straight drives of a playoff game. No one's before that. No one's even done it. Had, had ever scored in five straight. Yeah, absolutely in, insane. Josh Allen, big game on his on his playoff resume, but now. Chiefs are coming back to town, or I should say they're going to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's going to be. A, I, I'm looking forward to all of these, um, these wild card, or not wild card games, divisional games. You know what the best part about Bills Chiefs is? It's on Sunday, yeah. but it's at six thirty. Not not eight o'clock. Nice six thirty. Perfect. Uh, Perfect time. Yeah, so plenty of bedtime after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's obviously, I mean, rematch of last year. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal game in the playoffs. I'm hoping we get another phenomenal game as well. I think we will. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the comparisons between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes 
are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is a lot of similarities in their games, and I love seeing the two of them square off. And yeah, both uh, tossed five touchdowns last week. <laughs> that's also true. Um, or this weekend. And then we have Rams Buccaneers. Could be Rematch interesting from yeah. earlier the season. Yeah, Rams uh, beat beat Brady. And then Forty uh, Niners Packers. Eh. Yeah, Packers should take care of that. Especially uh, eight fifteen in Green Bay. Yeah. For a San Fran team, that's mm. I don't know if that's going to work out. Nah. Although Jimmy G does have some experience in New England, I don't know. Um, but then another matchup that I find really intriguing, Very and this is intriguing. the last matchup of the weekend, is yeah. Bengals and Titans. I agree. And the Bengals pulled out a, a very solid win over the Raiders last week. And Joe Barona has a playoff win under his belt. Yeah. He's feeling good. Looking good, too. Feeling confident. You see his post-game interviews and everything like that. Derrick Henry also in contact practice now. Still waiting to see his status for uh, for Saturday. But regardless of whether he's back or not, like I, I think that's a very intriguing game. Bengals totally Titans. agree. Totally agree with you. That was it, very impressive what Burrow did. Yeah, last week, first in his first playoff game, he gets the Bengals the first franchise, the first win in 31 years, first playoff win in 31 years. Like that's he's already living up to. He was he was brought in as like he's supposed to be the savior of this this franchise, and yeah, he's got a long way to go. But I mean, can't get much of a better start than this guy's this than this guy's had. I mean, did you see that throw? Yeah. Uh, Is he this, uh? Is he already the best quarterback in Ohio? Is he better than Baker? Oh, I think so. I would say so. As I well. definitely think so. I, I think for a second-year guy, I mean, that uh, that touchdown throw to that was just that's that's poise, that's that's confidence, that's skill. He willed that, like he willed that ball. Like there's not many players that can do that. Pretty wild. He willed that 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 touchdown, and that was. Yeah, the Bengals. The Bengals are a they're a very int- int- intriguing team. This is an intriguing matchup. That's I think that's the best word for it. It's very very intriguing. Well, yeah, because I think also part of it is we don't necessarily know what the Titans are going to come out with no. after their bye week. And again, Derrick Henry Derrick is he back. in? Is he not? It's there are a lot of X factors there, and I think the Bengals are rolling in with pretty decent amount of steam. Joe Burrow's feeling confident. I think the whole squad's feeling confident. And I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching it. I like how it's also Saturday, Sunday, too, and you can watch every game, and it'll be nice. So I guess that's uh, pretty much agree. anything else in the NFL you want to talk about? Um, I mean, you could, we could probably talk about this for hours, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, just really looking forward to the, the, the games next weekend. I mean, I mean, we could right now, oh, man. I I still think the Packers make it from the NFC. I still think it's the Packers. Same. The AFC, I don't. I really don't know. I think it could be any any of those four. I I don't think the Bengals. Bang, I was gonna say the Bengals I are think, probably fourth. Yeah. yeah. Titans, Chiefs, Bills. I think either of them. Can I think make it. Titans. It's it's got it's gonna come down to Tannehill. He, he's got to be able to make some throws, and they can't be one dimensional in the playoffs, especially against you know teams like the Chiefs and the Bills. Um, but I really think each, each each team is capable. I agree. Yeah. Word. We'll end it at that. Yeah. We'll give a more in-depth analysis on Super Bowl outlook after the games this upcoming week. And, uh, yeah, now we can transition into some some basketball, I suppose.
We'll get into that after the break. This is Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson, No Boundaries, the first episode of 2022. So stick with us. Are you looking for one place to catch up on all the latest news from this past week? Well, look no further, because the Com Radio News team has you covered. Listen live to the Pulse of Penn State every Sunday from 11 to 11.30, where we dive in on the latest happening around Penn State and across the nation. Again, that's 11 to 11.30 on Sundays. Be sure to tune in every single week. You won't want to miss it. Jordan, there's no way that the Montreal Canadiens are making the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. What are you talking about, Jacob? They still have Terry Price in that, and they have a combination of Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, two young forwards. But they have no depth down the middle. They lost their best center in Phil Deneau. If you want to hear more hot takes about hockey, tune in Tuesday from 7.30 to 8.30 here Jacob Sherris and Jordan Heston on the Sunday here on Tom Radio. You're just... Justin Tucker and hosts Alex Rocco, Matt Scalzo, and John Drager have one thing in common. It bounces off the crossbar, and it's good! Oh, oh my good! Oh, my goodness! The Extra Point. Tune in from 9 to 10 p.m. on Wednesday nights for the scoop on highlights, news, and takes from around the NFL. Pass is picked off! This is The Extra Point on Com Radio. Welcome back into No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin right here on Com Radio. Let's talk some Sixers, Zach. Sixers, they now find themselves, I believe, in sixth in the Eastern Conference. Yep, sixth in the Eastern Conference, but even though they're in sixth place, only two and a half games back which is pretty wild. Uh-huh. Uh, you pointed out during the break, yeah, the Eastern Conference is very, very close at the moment. Uh, we can get into that in the playoff picture a little bit later on. But as it relates to the Sixers, we do have to talk about Joel Embiid. The man has been an absolute menace. And the Sixers are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They've been on the roll. They had a, was it a seven-game win streak, eight-game win streak? Yeah, I think it was seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, spoiled by the Hornets, but still, overall, he was the only player to, or pardon me, he tied Bull Chamberlain and Allen Iverson to have eight consecutive 30-point games. Um, and then now, what is it, 10 straight road games with 30-plus points or something like that? So, something crazy. Yeah, he's on a roll. He, yeah, he <laughs> is on a major roll. Um, and he's put this team in a place where, yes, they're sixth place in the Eastern Conference, but, again, only two and a half games back from first place. Mm-hmm. This was also a team... That was reeling when he was off the floor for those nine games because of COVID. Finds a way to come right back in. Takes him a little bit to catch a stride. But once he did, a couple games after that, he has been unstoppable. Yeah. And now I believe he's at fifth in the league in points per game and uh, is doing it all without a second star, which has been the main thing that's been that's so impressive yeah. with me. And that's why yeah, I would make the argument that this is probably more impressive than his MVP campaign last year, even though, yes, last year the Sixers were the number one. I, I still think that this is a, a year that he can fully be capable of winning MVP. I don't know yeah. about you. I mean, it, it's it's surely it is looking like it. The, there's one thing that remains. There's not a single person in the league that can guard him. No. There, there really isn't. You can put doubles on him. You can triple team him. 
You can try to do whatever you want to do. You can scheme against him, but you can't stop him. You can only hope to slow him down. And just literally his – I don't know how he's – somehow he didn't get 30 against the Celtics and that streak should be going. Yeah. But, I mean, that to, 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 to surpass, like, guys like Wilt, Cha- Wilt Chamberlain, Allen Iverson, like the, – the, what what the things that this this man is doing, Philadelphia has not seen in in a long time, and he is the leader of this team. He's the heart of this team. He's the soul of this team. He's the heart of the the, the city. And man, every every game I watch, it, which it sucks at this point, but every game I watch, I I always tell myself, please hang on to him. Like please yeah. don't let him go. Please treat him right, because I, man, I don't know if. The, the city will will see a, a basketball player like this in a, in a long time. Generational is is an understatement. This guy is so good, and he just he, he's he's gotten better every year of his career. No no one can guard him. Um, and when that when that jump shot is 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 on, it's it's over. And it he gives the Sixers a chance every single night, despite not having that that second star. Um, although you know there have been. You get every once in a while you get a good game from from Maxi and and Seth, um, and Tobias. Tobias has been just brutal, brutal. <laughs> Which it's it's I hate to do it. I, I I hate to call him a bad basketball player because I don't think he is. I think he is talented, um, but I just don't think he really fits with the team. Um, how things have gone. The, the original vision he he may have you know with with Jimmy and. Um, so on and so forth, but now I don't really think he does, and we're stuck with just a, a really bad contract, and it's 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 unfortunate for him because like I don't think he deserves. Yes, he's been bad. That's put it bluntly, but I don't think he deserves some of the the hate that you know he's getting. I, he shouldn't have been paid that much in in the first place, and it's really got the Sixers in a uh, a tricky position. Um, not to mention the. Uh, the Ben Simmons debacle, which just seems to be getting, I don't know if it's getting worse, it's getting better. It's kind of just there. And, uh, you know, I think Maury's got to stop being stubborn and just, I don't know, take a deal. The trade deadline's coming up. Yeah. In about a month, I think. A couple weeks. I don't know. I don't know how things are going to shake out. There was a report on Twitter today, I, I was saying, that the Pistons offered Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Kelly Olenek, and a first-round pick. To the Sixers for Simmons, and if I'm Maury, I take that in an absolute heartbeat. You get Jeremy Grant to pair alongside and be, and you got some some great wing depth. Um, if that trade is reported true, you know he could just try to be stirring up the pot, stirring up the market before this trade deadline um, reaches. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible what Embiid's done, despite pretty much nothing, you know, in working out in his favor in terms of you know the team. Well, so that's the thing. I want to hold on to Embiid, obviously, and I want him to stay as long as possible. But the longer you wait for this Simmons situation to hopefully clear yeah. up, then you're just wasting this brilliance the from window. Joel Embiid because yeah. he does need more help and he does need a second star. And, he, yeah, you're you're not getting it until you trade Ben. Obviously, very, very difficult situation when it comes to trading Ben. And you talked about Tobias' struggles. I think part of the reason why he's struggling this year is because he doesn't have Ben. Yeah, he's not supposed to be a two. He's supposed to be the third guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think part of that, too, is the fact that Ben could create a lot of opportunities for Tobias, especially in transition and 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about Tobias as a, a solid half court player just in terms of his ability to score, but I know when he can get in rhythm in transition when defenses aren't fully, you know, back and set up and everything like that. I, I think he can be very viable, and then that can also help him when we do transition into the half court, you know, steady, setting up plays, trying to set up an offense. Yeah. I, I, I just think Ben was so pivotal in that regard, and um, it, it's really staggered Tobias's development because he's not with Ben, and I think that's part of the reason maybe why Ben and Tobias were hoping to be paired together by Daryl Morey and he was trying to ship both of them away, which, of course, would be an awful deal for whoever took them, if anybody were to take them. Um, but I, maybe that was part of it because, I mean, I, I think there's been a steady drop in Tobias's productivity directly related to Ben Simmons not being there. Me personally, I, I, I think mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, look at stats. He's having one of his worst, one of his worst years, if not the worst year, in field goal percentage. Uh just shooting from three, he's been a little bit cold. Um, just, just inconsistent. Inconsistent. So and he has games where, yeah, you just you don't want to watch him play, <laughs> and he'll just—he's so inefficient, it's unbelievable. Um, but anyway, Sixers now—they sit at twenty-five and eighteen. Again, sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you look at who's ahead: Bulls, Heat, tied for first. Uh, the Nets in third place, only a game—or pardon me, half a game back. The Cavaliers, game and a half back. I like the Cavs. Yeah, the yeah the young team cool that's year. making some noise. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks, two games back. Then of course, like I said, the Sixers, Hornets, a uh, little bit of separation between six and seven. They're at seven, and then the Wizards, they're five games back. But yeah, literally one through eight, uh, only a five game difference, and then you even go down to the eleven seed, Knicks. They're only six games back from first place. And then that's the last team that's either at 500 or above 500. But, yeah, the Eastern Conference is very intriguing. Yeah. Anything in there that is interesting to you, stands out to you? Well, I think you said, like, uh, the Cavs I would not have expected to be at the fourth seed no. this year. They got a lot of young guys producing. They're a fun team. You know, Darius Garland, um, Jared Allen. They, they, don't even have, they don't even have Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. So. Missing their, their their main guy there, but I think Garland's been fant- fantastic, and um, I think I think he could definitely make a case to be an All Star, especially the fact that it's in Cleveland. Um, but really, just uh, what stands out is just like you said, how how close these teams are in, in the standings. I don't know the last time we've seen something like this, the just a minor, the minimal differential between the one seed and like you said, even all the way down to like the Knicks at eleven. Um, these next three, four weeks are going to be absolutely crucial for all these teams. Yeah, this is this is the the time, the part of the season, and this season has been different. Granted, with the COVID, um, you know, absences and all that junk, but this is the time of the season where teams start to separate and kind of find out where they are in you know relation to the rest of the league. So these next three weeks are, are going to be big, I think, in terms of you know the playoff standing. And also just teams adding players that too, through yeah. trades Trade and think, deadline. getting people back. The Warriors obviously got Clay Thompson back. And yeah, what have you made of his return so far? Oh, I mean, I was I was super excited for it. I watched the yeah. uh, I watched the game um, when he came back. Um, nothing 
he's still on the minutes restriction. Yeah. Nothing special. What do you um, have? Seventeen. In his yeah, I think so. The first game, 15, yeah. 16, 17, something like that. Um, yeah, he's hit like I think he's hit two threes in one game. He's hit three threes in a couple. So nothing crazy off the charts. Um, but you know, I expect him to he'll he'll pop off one of these games. He's just gonna have a, a Clay Thompson game. Hits like six or seven threes, explodes for thirty, and everybody's gonna be like, all right, Clay's back. Um, but I think he's just starting off slow. No reason to rush him into things. You know, it's the Warriors are sitting pretty at the number two seed. Um, just letting him get back into the the swing of things, I think, is the best option. But it's it's great to see him back out on the court in the Splash Brothers. Like it's, I saw, um, I saw something on Twitter. Like it was a it was pictures of it was like James Harden on the Rockets, Katie on the Warriors, Russell Westbrook on the Thunder. It's like this was the NBA the last time Clay played. Yeah, and it's kind of when you put it in that perspective, it's it's crazy how much has changed and how long he's been out. And it's uh, it's good for the game that he's back. I agree. Yeah, as you said, they're sitting at second place. The Suns having a very good season. I think they're thirty-four and nine in first place. Yeah, um, they have a little bit of separation up there. They've been sitting pretty. I want to go down to the to the Lakers though. They're now in seventh place. They're an even twenty-two and twenty-two on the year. Twelve and a half games back from uh, the number one seed. And again, yeah, twelve and a half, twelve and a half games back from the Suns. But they are just giving up points. Out the wazoo. They did come away with a win yesterday, 101-95 over the Jazz. But the game before, they lost 133-96 to to the Nuggets. And then previous two games before that, 125-116 loss to the Lakers, 127-119 loss to the Grizzlies. Uh, their defense is just atrocious. Yeah, Defense is atrocious. They have so many old heads on this team. The people <laughs> they thought were going to be difference makers are not difference makers no. at all. Kind of similar to last year, too, how it turned out. It is, I mean, bad. Yeah. Really bad. And LeBron's having one of the best seasons he's had in the past couple of years. Especially on offense, yeah. And uh, they're not going to be able to capitalize on it, and it pisses me off as a LeBron fan. Yeah. Now, report came out today that the Lakers – are on a game-by-game evaluation of Frank Vogel. They are very close to firing this man, but they're going to wait and see what he does in these next couple of games. And if he can turn things around a little bit, he'll stay. But I, I think, honestly, if they go on like another two-game or three-game losing streak, he's done, which is shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's another I, – I didn't even know. I remember when he coached – wait, was it – it was the Pacers, right? He was the Pacers yeah. coach – Way back when, like seven or eight years ago, maybe I didn't think he was anything special. I was kind of surprised when the Lakers hired him. Like, really, Frank? Like, you can't do anything better? Yeah, he led them, you know, to a, to a championship. But I think that was just more. You know, it was in the bubble. It was LeBron and Anthony Davis back when he was unstoppable. Um, but yes, day to day, I was watching that. I actually, I watched the the Jazz game last night. I was okay. I had nothing to do, so it was on at like ten o'clock. I was chilling, watching the Jazz game. If yeah, I think he could. We could very well talking about. We could very well be talking about him getting fired today if Stanley Johnson didn't just come out of nowhere and explode. For I don't know. Did you you didn't see it or I, I heard about Stanley you know, Johnson? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, didn't get a chance to watch. Just the game, no. came out of absolutely nowhere. The Lakers looked down for the count out of it. Couldn't really. They were they actually played pretty well on defense last night. Or maybe that was just the Jazz playing poor offensively. But anyways, he doesn't come out and drop like 15 16 points just out of nowhere to keep the Lakers into the in the game and allow them to finally pull it out at the end. I think 
Frank Vogel very well could be, you know, talking about, you know, he could he could be out of his job because if they're talking, if this comes out after a close, tight win like that, where I actually thought the energy and effort was the best that I've seen it from this Lakers uh, team in a while, I think he's 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 definitely in trouble. And there have been, like you said, there's been a lot of guys who just have not panned out. It's a lot of old heads that just haven't haven't worked out. And I think that's. Uh, that's part of the reason that the defense is is lacking. You know, you get older, you lose that edge, you lose that, you lose energy. Um, and like as much as it, you know, kind of sounds bad to say, you lose some of the desire to just you know play the play the game at high intensity, night in and night out. Unless you're LeBron James, freak of nature anomaly. But um, if if and then they've they've been lucky they've had some guys that have started to kind of pick it up i mentioned stanley johnson malik monk's been really really good the last couple of weeks um even taylor horton tucker too but they're he, vogel i would be very fortunate if i were him because i think some of these some of these young guys some of these role players are kind of taking it upon themselves starting to contribute more um but the lakers still just still show just average just can't really put together a, a whole convincing win and, and, and play so as, a, as a team, as one unit. The chemistry still looks iffy. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I just went off on a tangent. But uh, Vogel, I don't think they turn it around that drastically no. unless something, a major move is made. Anthony Davis is also a problem, too, his reliability. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk, like, talk about that. Even if he he's hurt right now, but even when he comes back, he's not the same Anthony Davis no. that he was in the bubble. Not at all. I don't know whether he just I, pff, he won one ring and he's dipped. He's like, oh, that's all I need. I'm out. I'm sitting, chilling on my paychecks for the rest of my time here. I mean, it's happened before. That would be so unfortunate because I, he was supposed to be the guy who kind of, like LeBron's 39, 40, 39? No, don't do that. 37. No, he's like 38. 37. I think it's 37. 37. Something I'll, I'll, like that. I'll get it up, pal. <laughs> the point is... LeBron James, like 54. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it at this point. But the point is, he was supposed to be the guy to kind of take over for him. 37. In 30, yeah. So, and, well, LeBron could kind of take a, not a total backseat at the end of his career, but kind of shift some of that responsibility onto Davis and have him be that, that number one guy, that, that leader... It just hasn't happened, and like you said, LeBron's had to take everything upon himself, and as a result of it, he's having one of the best seasons of his career, especially on offense. Um, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to to make some of his LeBroniest magic that he's you know made as, and he's made a lot of it during his time in this league. But he's gonna have to really do some do some work here to get this Lakers team turned around and save Vogel his job. I think I like that word. LeBronius. LeBronius. We're going to end on that. Uh, but we'll come right back after uh, this commercial break with our sign-off. A couple things that we saw in the news, wanted to address in our kind of off-topic segment of the night. So stick with us. You'll be right back with us after these words on No Boundaries. Hello there. I am the President of the United States telling you to tune into Lunch Break, Mondays, 12 to 12.30, on Com Radio. There, hosts Chip DeFalco and Dugan Lloyd break down all the biggest stories in sports and go over the past weekend's NFL slate. It's my new favorite show, me, the President of the United States. 
Lunch Break, Mondays from 12 to 12.30, live on Com Radio. Do you like Philly sports? Probably not. Why would you put yourself through that type of pain? In the off chance you do, you should listen to Broad Street Pros on Com Radio. Every Thursday night, 5.45 to 6.45. The talents of Jack McCune on that commercial. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. All right. We're going to close up shop right here in a second. But, uh, Zach, did you see anything weird, anything kooky, anything that you wanted to address that's not sports-related before we top the uh, show off? I saw that they're making a How I Met Your Father. Yeah. <laughs> Hillary Duff. Yep. So that's interesting. Um, I mean, obviously the legendary How I Met Your Mother, great show, all-timer. I'm interested to see how they how they do with this this follow-up. I didn't um I didn't really read much into it or anything, but uh I think it's an interesting concept. It should be interesting, yeah. I haven't seen How I Met Your Mother in the first place. I gotta start. Really? Yeah, no. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I mean every episode I watch is Quality television. Yeah. I started watching Entourage recently. Ah, My buddies have been calling me like, oh, yeah, you got HBO Max, you got to watch Entourage. I said, okay. And it's a very good show, very good show. Um, the one thing I wanted to address, my friend sent me this on Twitter, and I wish I could show it, but it's obviously radio. Um, Quebec, they have a lot of problems with jaywalking, apparently. People just jaywalk and think like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Which, I mean, hey, I, I, I jaywalk all the time here. In state yeah, college, so this is state college. things are capital. different in Quebec. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, so the city or, I don't know, the, whatever legislative body, I don't know, or if there was a, maybe a, a public interest campaign. I, it doesn't, I don't know who did this, <laughs> but they put up this, uh, this like LED board on a sidewalk. And when you walk in front of it, it shows you like your skeleton, like it scans you. And it shows you your skeleton, and if you can dance around, it'll follow your movements and everything. So you're seeing you dancing around on the screen, but it's like, yeah, like your skeleton. Oh, wow. And it's like tracking you. And people are, so they walk in front of it, like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, I can wave, <laughs> and like a skeleton will wave back at me, and like it's, it's scanning my body, and I'm seeing myself as a skeleton on this thing. And the next thing you know, a car on the screen just rams into your skeleton. And then the tagline is like, oh. the, the tagline is like, steel is always stronger than bones. Don't jaywalk. It's like, oh my, that's got to be terrifying. Oh my gosh. Like, you're just like standing there having a good time, like, you know, hey, shooting like, you know, finger guns at the, at the screen. Like, hey, look at this, you know, skeleton that's tracking my every movement and everything. And then whack, an SUV comes out of nowhere and just smacks a skeleton off the screen. Oh my gosh. Steel, steel is always stronger than bones. It's kind of brutal, kind of gruesome, a little extra maybe, but I mean, hey, if they're trying to get rid of jaywalking, yeah. I guess that gets the message across. It was a funny video. I, I highly recommend people going to Twitter and checking it out. That's where, traumatizing. That's where I saw it. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Sometimes tough love is best. All right. That, that's going to do it for us, though. Zach, where can they find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at Zach Donaldson underscore, and make sure to follow the show's account on Twitter at N Zero Boundaries. And you can find me at Real C Griff on all socials. We got to run to a meeting real fast, so we're going to wrap up. But thanks for listening.
episode 10, the first episode of 2022 in the books. We'll be back next week at 6.15. Until then, peace out, everybody.